Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Friday. It is Friday, August 25th. Good to be with you on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So much to talk about on a Friday and every day here at EWTN. And a lot to discuss with our good friend, our President and Chief Operating Officer, Doug Cutco, will be joining me as he always does on Fridays. At about 15 minutes past the hour. This is a big weekend this week. Woohoo! Fun times, family celebration coming up tomorrow, August 26th. It's going to be a great day. So much good news that will come out of this event. It'll just make you come out feeling stronger. And boy, do we need it, which we'll be discussing today on the program, just saying. So, anyway, Doug will be joining us at 15 minutes past the hour or thereabouts to discuss all the great programming plus all the details of the family celebration. And if you can't get to Birmingham tomorrow, because it's being held in Birmingham, Alabama, not far from our headquarters in Irondale, how you can watch it or possibly watch it later if maybe you're tied up with getting the kids ready to go back to school or whatever. You don't want to miss the coverage of this because it really is just so encouraging. And we'll also talk, obviously, about other great things coming up on the network and all of that, plus you, in about 15 minutes. And then a fact check Friday. Yesterday I did mention that I wanted to talk about the case of Steve Tenes, and we discussed this with Father Mitch Pacwa, who, thanks be to God, won a federal district court ruling after being kicked out of the local market, a market in which he was involved for years and much love with his wonderful products from his country mill in the central Michigan area. And he owns a, a mill, but he also owns it's an orchard. People can come and pick their own fruit. It's really quite a lovely place. And because apple orchards and mills like that are very, very popular in, in this part of the country, obviously. But he had a, has a beautiful venue that allows people to rent it out for various events, including some weddings. But he does not allow, because he is a faithful Catholic, for so-called same-sex weddings to take place on his property. And he actually answered a question about this on Facebook. And after that, all heck broke loose and he was kicked out of the market, but decided to go ahead and allow Alliance Defending Freedom to represent him. And thanks be to God, at the federal district court level, he won. And I was saying yesterday when we were talking about this with Father Mitch, the coverage of this has been, how do we want to say nicely, interesting. Because if you do a search for it, most of the secular headlines talk about him being anti-gay, anti-gay farmer, anti-gay this, anti-gay that. Why do you have to be anti-anybody just because you disagree with something? But see, this is how the left wants to position those of us who have our beliefs and take them seriously, and beliefs that do not go along with what they believe. So if you don't believe, you're anti and you're a hater. So I was going to go into detail about that this morning, but there are a couple of other stories that broke that are just as important. Besides, we are going to have Steve and or Kate. Kate is from Alliance Defending Freedom, and Steve, of course, is a farmer involved in the case. We're working on getting them on next week, so I thought we could discuss that issue with them next week as opposed to doing it this morning. A couple of other big stories. You may have heard that yesterday a federal judge ruled that the Maryland parents cannot, after all, opt their children out of certain lessons in the Montgomery County Public Schools. Now, this has been going on, this battle, not this particular suit, but the battle has been going on since March when this first happened. So there's been a lot of coverage on this. Local coverage, there was a lot of coverage on it locally because parents were showing up in droves. 
But oftentimes, as is the case, and unfortunately yesterday the coverage for the vast part of the media, it's still the same. They eliminate a lot of the crucial facts about why were the parents of all different backgrounds, by the way, not just conservative Christians and Catholics and other Catholics, right, other Christians, many, many people were upset about this. We're talking about pre-K through fifth grade, and we're talking about very sexualized material. And many of the media do not put that in there and make it sound like it's only two or three families that are involved in this battle to allow them to opt out. This is why it's so important that we need to do our own homework and research, especially as we're entering to yet another, I think, even more contentious election year. So much to discuss this morning. Then wrapping up with good news is in the Good News Conference. Immaculate Illibigiza, beautiful Catholic sister in the Lord, international speaker, noted author. Of course, her famous first book left to tell about her experience of surviving the Rwanda genocide. She joins us because she is going to be one of the keynote speakers at the Good News Conference coming up this fall. And there's a big announcement. Jordan Peterson has just been added to the lineup. So I can officially say that. I did receive an email from uh, John Hale from Corporate Travel, co-sponsor of this event. He's over in Ireland with uh, Archbishop Dolan, Cardinal Dolan. But he said, T, you can announce it. So Jordan Peterson, who's a pretty popular commentator in the conservative world, has just joined the lineup for the Good News Conference. We'll give you all the details at 39 minutes past the hour. Now, weather-wise, boy, we got walloped again in southeastern Michigan yesterday. Tons of storms, and you'll hear in the news, several hundred thousand people without power. And now, many parts of the country, as the National Weather Service says, are dealing with dangerous heat conditions. Extremely dangerous heat wave continuing over the next several days. And today, the National Weather Service says those very warm conditions will stretch from the plains to the mid-Atlantic and all the way to the southeast as well. Then over the weekend, sweltering conditions will concentrate and focus on the southern U.S. So be careful out there, stay cool, stay hydrated, and stay tuned, of course, to EWTN and all of our news outlets. Six minutes past the hour now, a ton of news to get through, so let's get started on a Friday morning, August 25th. Well, as you mentioned, nearly 700,000 homes and businesses in Michigan and Ohio were without power after severe thunderstorms slammed the region with heavy rains, powerful winds, and at least one tornado. The storms charging across southern Michigan into Ohio after midnight, packing wind gusts of up to 85 miles an hour. With hail as big as an inch and a half, the National Weather Service said a large and extremely dangerous tornado was confirmed last night near Williamston, Michigan, just east of Lansing in the central Michigan area. In other news this morning, and we'll be talking about this a little bit more detail at the bottom of the hour in our Fact Check Friday segment, a federal judge has ruled Maryland parents cannot opt their children out of certain lessons in Montgomery County Public Schools. As the Daily Signal reports, atheist, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, and other parents demanded the right to opt out of an LGBTQ curriculum for pre-K through fifth graders in that school district. It's a Maryland district outside of D.C., The request for a preliminary injunction while the suit moves forward was rejected on the grounds that constitutional violations were neither likely nor imminent. The Beckett Law Group, which is representing the parents, told the Daily Signal in a written statement yesterday the court's decision is an assault on children's right to be guided by their parents on complex and sensitive issues regarding the human sexuality. They went on to say the books are in fact teaching explicit sexual orientation and gender identity issues as early as pre-K. 
In other news this morning, Nicaragua declaring the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, illegal. And as Vatican News' James Blears reports, they then confiscated their property. The government say they banned the Jesuits and taken their worldly possessions, claiming they somehow flouted tax laws. The Jesuits responded by saying, This violates human rights and it appears to be aimed at consolidating a totalitarian state. It comes a week after the administration of President Daniel Ortega expropriated the Jesuit-run Central American University and have renamed it Casimiro Sotelo Montenegro National University after a Sandinista leader killed in 1967, a fellow student and contemporary of Daniel Ortega. This action was justified by authorities who claim the university is a centre for terrorism. Then, a house by the university was seized and six Jesuits were thrown onto the street. The Central American Society of Jesus said, We strongly condemn this act of violence against our community and we reaffirm our confidence that the Lord of History will continue to protect the Jesuits of Nicaragua during these difficult times. The Maui government, as Brian Shook tells us, is suing a utility company over its alleged negligence that may have caused recent deadly wildfires. A lawsuit filed Thursday claims Hawaiian Electric Company inexcusably kept their power lines energized earlier this month despite wind and fire warnings from forecasters. The National Weather Service cited that strong winds could knock down power lines and spark fires that would spread quickly due to dry conditions. An attorney representing Maui County said the lawsuit seeks damages that could total tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Meanwhile, the official number of missing persons after the wildfires in Lahaina is at now 1,054. The death toll remains at 115. DNA from family members is being used to identify confirmed victims, six more of which were identified on Wednesday. Phil Hewlett, meanwhile, tells us a 100-year home somehow escaped the flames of the wildfires on Maui. The home, made entirely out of wood, was virtually undamaged by the wildfire that destroyed countless other homes covering several city blocks. The owners of the home were on a trip to Massachusetts when the fires broke out in their neighborhood. They were watching the news on TV and assumed their property would be lost, along with their neighbors. But when they returned, the White House with the red roof still stood amongst the ashes and rubble and now serves as a symbol of resilience. Dozens of homes are being evacuated in East Texas due to a growing wildfire. Officials in Jasper County now say more than 40 homes are under the evacuation order and at least one structure has already been destroyed. The fire burning about 250 acres and is not contained at this time. And more details are coming to light after a gunman killed three people and wounded six at a restaurant and bar in Orange County, California. The district attorney there, Todd Spitzer, says the site of the shooting, Cook's Corner, about an hour south of Los Angeles, has a place in his heart. This is personal. I am one of those bikers. I am one of those people that would often go on Wednesday nights to spaghetti night. I am one of those people who understand how the county and the canyons are grieving. The shooter was a retired Ventura police sergeant. The 59-year-old man was a police officer between 1986 and 2014. Authorities say on Wednesday night he walked into Cook's Corner and shot his soon-to-be ex-wife without saying a word, then started shooting other people near her. The shooter's estranged wife survived and is conscious at a local hospital. Orange County Sheriff's deputies uh, say that the man walked out of his truck to retrieve two more guns, but was then killed in a shootout with their police. 
Julie Ryan tells us a Ventura County Sheriff's Department is busy arresting a man with over a million dollars worth of drugs in his car. What started as an investigation into a Mexican drug trafficking organization has ended with the arrest of a 32-year-old Downey man. Detectives followed the suspect into a parking lot in Fillmore on August 18th. That's where they found 56 pounds of methamphetamine, cash, and other drugs. The street value of the drugs is more than $1.2 million. Mortgage rates are at a 22-year high, rates soaring to 7.3% just this week. A year ago, the 30-year fixed rate in the U.S. was just over 5.5%. That's according to data from Freddie Mac. They've been above 6.5 all summer long and have been creeping up since mid-July. And Matt Madison tells us General Motors laying off over 900 employees in Arizona. The company announced the closure of its IT Innovation Center in Chandler, which is just outside Phoenix and has been open since 2014. GM said in a statement that the move was made to stay on course with its nationwide Innovation Center footprint and IT resources. The automaker noted those affected can still apply for open roles. The location is expected to close at the end of October. The former NFL player at the center of the movie The Blind Side is filing a new legal motion against a couple he long considered his adoptive parents. Or claims he has no knowledge of the income generated from the Tui's use of his name, likeness, and image over the years. That's reporter Emily Akita who says Michael Orr claims Sean and Lee Ann Tui falsely claim that he is their adopted son. Orr claims he only learned six months ago that the family had become his conservators back in 2004 rather than his adoptive parents as he had thought. The Tuies claim Orr always knew about the conservatorship and point to past interviews where he said as much. Football player claiming the Tuies profited off of his story and he was never given his fair share of the profits. And everyone is okay after a hot air balloon making an emergency landing on a freeway median in Vermont. Authorities say the pilot earns high marks for safely settling the balloon down on the median of Interstate 91 after the aircraft stalled mid-flight Wednesday night. Pilot Chris Ritland and his four passengers are in good shape after sending the balloon down around 8 p.m. as it was getting dark. The Hartford, Vermont Fire Department said the pilot had no other options. And finally, in our news segment at 14 minutes past the hour on a Friday morning, August 25th, Barbie is now the year's highest-grossing movie. Greta Gerwig's film has brought in over $575 million at the domestic box office to make it this year's champ in North America. The Super Mario Brothers movie, the reigning champ after hauling in $574 million and is now in second place. By the way, numbers regarding Sound of Freedom, over $175 million already. We'll be right back. It is a Friday, which means we check in with our president and chief operating officer, Doug Keck, for the inside word. And if you're going to the family celebration tomorrow, you're going to have a great time. If you can't, there are ways to watch, and we will tell you up next. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I want you to have such confidence in the Lord that you'll find such hope and see the beauty of the Lord, the majesty of God. What did our Lord say, huh? If your sins are as scarlet, oh, what? What's going to happen? They shall be made white as snow. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Catholic Connection. Very exciting weekend for EWTN. Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer. 
joins us on Fridays with the inside word. And, Doug, let's start with some good news, the family celebration tomorrow. Please, I need some good news. <laughs> Absolutely. It's great. It's great news. And we've got uh, several thousand people registered. Uh, and we've already had some people touring uh, our studios and up in Hansville as of, uh, you know, yesterday and today going on. And uh, we've got uh, some people who have come down, a whole uh, group uh, from Canada. Uh, so we're excited about that. I saw some of them yesterday uh, taking a tour uh, of our studios. So it was great to say hello to them. And Narissa, who's our person up in Canada, who... Uh, you know, represents us and works with our media missionaries as well. So it's very exciting. And then, obviously, everything really kicks off on Saturday, uh, starting at uh, 9.40 a.m. is our first event. That's with Father Wade Menezes. The event itself starts at 9.30. Michael Warsaw gives an uh, introduction and opening prayer uh, by one of our friars. It's going to be Father Leonard. And then we've got Deacon Harold Burke Sivers giving another talk. And then we've got uh, kind of a break, so you can go check out Religious Catalog and all of the other uh, opportunities, you know, the author's location, uh, meet and greet with all the different people. In the afternoon, Jim and Joy Pinto give a talk. And our, our theme is I am the bread of life. It's really Aww. all on the Eucharist. So the idea was a priest's view of the Eucharist, a deacon's view, a couple's view. And then we've also got the live show with uh, Father Mitch and Jeanette Williams and several other of our hosts will be on kind of just talking about the Eucharist in general. And then as always, uh, in the middle of the afternoon, we have the family talk that Michael Warsaw leads and kind of talk about our memories of the early days of EW10 and Mother Angelic Ansker, answering questions people have about those. And then, of course, we have Mass at 5 o'clock. This is all central time. And then uh, 6.30, we're doing a Eucharist procession to the cathedral wow. and a closing benediction. And uh, we're hoping that'll be something that, uh, you know, will be exciting. And at the same time, maybe it'll be a little cooler by then. And uh, also that uh, we'll, our people will be smart enough to know if you don't think this is something you should be able to walk and uh, be able to do because it's about a half an hour walk uh you know to, not to do it and so we're right. we're excited about the the overall event uh it's finally here and uh we encourage people if you're in the area to stop by uh, you don't need a ticket you don't need a reservation just come by and you can come in and and participate in any part of the the events and again the the mass even if you're in the locale and you're looking for a mass for the vigil uh you can go and it is a vigil mass so it covers you for sunday so you don't have any storms in the forecast, just a lot of heat, right? So no, not at all. Yeah. We've okay. actually had tons of rain for a long time, but now we've hit a streak now where it's it's basically been dry for about mm. a week or so and will continue to be dry. But it's going to be like 100 degrees uh, during the day. I mean, that's not, uh, you know, that's not the... Uh, adjusted weather for you know for temperature going up uh you know what it feels like that's officially what it'll be so you know by you know six thirty, where it's kind of a little towards twilight you know it's going to be mm -hmm. less than that but maybe not as cool as we might like it for an event like that but uh you know as part of the eucharistic build-up of course uh, towards next year's uh uh, conference uh, and all the events we wanted to, to make the Eucharist central it always was central to mother especially the whole idea of our Lord's presence uh, you know uh, during adoration uh, was very very important to the sisters and and very important to the success of EWTN and quite honestly honestly I think the success of the Catholic Church yeah absolutely it's interesting you know Jack Williams was in town uh, in Ann Arbor Michigan earlier this week for a regional radio meeting that we had and he gave a great talk and he talked about Mother Angelica and told the story of you know, the whole shortwave radio thing and seeing St. Michael on the Hill and that beautiful right. story, which I love. But then he also said two two points you can think about when you think of Mother Angelica. Number one, the Eucharist. Number two, pro-life. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolute diehard pro-life uh, yeah. and, uh, and totally focused on the Eucharist. And again, her, her, she always had the things in the right order. You need to keep Christ at the center. And out of that comes your, your ability and your power and your strength to do all of these other wonderful good works, like being pro-life. And those, mm-hmm. those come naturally. They flow out of uh, your focus on Christ. In fact, uh, recently on Father Spitzer's uh, program, there was an article. I think CNA actually had the article. It was about uh, Leon- Leonardo Boff's brother. Now, Boff was the guy who was really the founder of, of, of the whole liberation theology. Uh-huh. And his brother was part of that. And his brother came out now and said, you know, we made a big mistake. I saw that. You, know, yeah. you can't yeah. have the poor at the center of your theology. You have to have Christ at the center of your theology. Then you will have the heart for poor people. But, you know, and it's interesting, the story you had about, was it Nicaragua uh-huh. uh, going on there? You know, not to say anything, but some ways with the Jesuits, you reap what you sow. I right. mean, they were heavily involved back in the old days with a lot of, with uh, everything that was going on there uh, in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now they're, they've got some of their f- uh, former allies turning on them. Right. So, you know, we've got to keep Christ at the center of everything we've done. I've heard one time there was a joke that said, you know, at times uh, in Latin America and in South America, the uh, the church opted for the poor and the poor opted for Pentecostalism. Yeah. Uh, well, and, look at what's know, happened. If you look at the numbers, it's absolutely true. Abs- absolutely, because those people are looking for Jesus. They had him in the Catholic Church. Now, maybe their poor should be handled better and people should be tr- more fairly treated. All of that's absolutely true. But when you end up with a Marxist idea of how the world is really one big economic uh, identity group, one against another, which is what we're dealing with today in identity politics, just another version of it, uh, you know, instead of it being an economic identity group, it's really more of a race identity group or, uh, you know, a sexuality identity group. So, right. uh, you know, we, get, we have to keep our Lord at the center. That's why the Eucharistic... Uh, event coming up is so important and, and why we use fine Eucharistic adoration and a love of the Eucharist, uh, the, the churches flourish. And you think about how did that happen if you know about the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola, right? How mm-hmm. did we get to the point where we are today? That, 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 that's what's so interesting about this whole thing. If you look at the Jesuits and you can count, and I hate to say this, but the Jesuits who are really out there making a difference in terms of promoting Christ in the Eucharist and, and Orthodoxy in the Church, you've got our own Father Spitzer, our own Father right. Mitch, you know, Absolutely. Father, Father Joseph Fessio, and maybe a few others. But how sad in terms of the right. order itself, right? Well, I think it was Chesterton who one t- time said, uh, some intellectuals are so intelligent uh, that they're the only ones who believe these ridiculous ideas. You know, the mm-hmm. ideas are so stupid. Only, only intellectuals believe them. I think sometimes you can go beyond your own, you know, understanding. I think you start to become more and more uh, impressed with your own theology, your own insights, and uh, you, you, you lose the center. You lose the center, which is, uh, Jesus's message is very simple, you know, in a sense about loving the Lord and, and following the Lord, and out of that comes your love of other people, and, and we can get beyond that and, and put things in the wrong order, and that's when we have problems. Now, are we be? I know you may have mentioned this, but I'm, I'm just so excited about the event tomorrow, and I'm, imag- I'm imagining mm-hmm. in my head what it's going to look like with that uh, procession, which is going to be phenomenal, but how can people tune in, and if they can't watch it tomorrow, when can they follow up and, and Well, we will, be, we will be streaming it, so you'll okay. be able to, if you go to the website, you can find the stream of the event itself. We were originally going to air it i think it was next week or so but we had to delay it because the pope's going to mongolia 
mm-hmm. and re-airing the family celebration uh, takes second place to uh, carrying the Pope live and, and the Pope in Mongolia. So I think it's within the next two weeks we're going to air it. Uh, check our schedule and let you know when it's going to be. But I think it's uh, it'll actually be in September now, the beginning of September, so people can look for that. Well, be safe. Have a great day. I'll be tuning in, and thank you for all you do, and, and God bless EWTN. This is going to be a beautiful event, the Family Celebration, tomorrow, August 26th. Check it out online, EWTN.com, and we'll talk about it next week as well. Doug, have a good weekend. Thanks, my friend. Take, take it easy. And we'll be right back. Fact Check Friday up next. Stay tuned. a beautiful Friday morning. Don't forget the big family celebration tomorrow. And if you're in that area at all or can make it down there, it's free and you can check in uh, tomorrow. So, I mean, it's just a phenomenal experience. I've been to several of them. It's just so uplifting, especially I could just imagine, as I said earlier, what that Eucharistic procession is going to be like and feel like and, and just the reaction if you are going to be involved in it, look around, not just at the people who are in the procession, but look around at the people in the city and how they respond. I think you'll be very uplifted. All right. Something that we really have to be aware of that happens on a regular basis, and I know that we're all super busy, especially this time of year, trying to get the kids back to school and so many things happening as we're about to unofficially begin fall. Of course, summer doesn't end until the middle of September, but on the calendar, things are getting busy. Some school districts are already back. Uh, Many kids going back next week or right after Labor Day. And this is a story that has to pertain to schools, but this the idea of what I'm going to be presenting to you this morning is something I discuss on a regular basis in all of my books and presentations when I discuss media awareness and activism. We have to do our own homework, and we have to make sure we have to test everything according to Scripture and the teachings of the church. Now, Crest always says we have to look at everything through the lens of Scripture and teachings of the church, and that's very, very important, but oftentimes, and this is why... We at EWTN have really tried to put important issues out there and examine what's happened, especially in the last century. If you look at A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, or if you look at the documentary A Transgender Agenda, both of those documentaries have come, I mean, what they were, they're based on obviously fact and what's happened and led up to this point. But what many people early on said would happen if we went down this road of extremism has happened to the nth degree more than anyone expected. And it's been happening little by little and then some big pushes recently. But the media have a lot to do with this in terms of the way stories are presented. And I did 15 minutes on this in my first hour this morning. And I tried to teach people media discernment too, and literacy. This is part of what they call media literacy. When you understand why the media are presenting stories a certain way. Now, you may be familiar with this story out of Maryland. And we had the story, of course, that we read for you from... The Daily Signal, which had a very accurate portrayal of the story, including interviewing the law firm that represented the families that filed suit. And those families, three families were involved, and they represented many, many parents, hundreds of parents who've been protesting for quite some time, actually earlier since year, this year since this whole issue came about. And I want to again share with you the difference between the stories. Now, this program that they're pushing on these kids is pre-K through fifth grade. And Maryland has a law where kids are supposed to, or families are supposed to be able to opt out when it comes to matters of sexuality being taught in the schools, which makes sense, right? 
But somehow the school district got around this law and the parents took them to court and there's another case that's still pending. But in the meantime, a federal judge ruled Maryland parents cannot opt their children out of certain lessons in Montgomery County Public Schools. Atheist, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, and other parents demanded the right to opt out of an LGBTQ book curriculum for pre-K through fifth grades in Montgomery County Public Schools, a Maryland district just outside the nation's capital. Their request for a preliminary injunction while the suit moves forward, however, was rejected on the grounds that constitutional violations are neither likely nor imminent. Now, if you look at the story on the Daily Signal, the full report, and you look at what's being presented to schools, it's actually quite shocking, I should say, actually, to children, right? If you scroll down and you look at some of these books, now remember, these are pre-K through fifth grade. And the Beckett Law says, the Beckett Law Firm says, these books are, in fact, teaching explicit sexual orientation and gender identity issues as early as pre-K. Pre-K. The Associated Reading Instructions, Beckett Law says, requires teachers to make dismissive statements about a student's religious beliefs to shame children to disagree and to teach us facts, things that some would not agree are facts. Now, the storybooks include selections such as My Rainbow, which tells the story of a mother who creates a rainbow-colored wig for a child the book presents as transgender. Born Ready, the true story of a boy named Penelope, recounts a tale of a biological girl who identifies as a boy and who struggles to convince the world that she is male. Prince and Knight and Love Violet are books about same-sex romance. Now again, this is pre-K through fifth grade. All right, so that's the story from Daily Signal. Now, Daily Signal is a part of the Heritage Foundation, which is a very good, good organization doing a great deal of good out there in the world. Pro-life issues, religious freedom, and many, many other issues they address on a regular basis. He had the opportunity to interview the president of the Heritage Foundation, as a matter of fact, at the um, March for Life on EWTN a few months ago. So here is a wire service. One of the wire services that we use. Now, why do we use it at Ave Maria Radio when we do our news? Because it's first and foremost, we need to have a source where we can get a lot of sound bites from a lot of different places. Okay? And this one, because we're always trying to save money, and Catholic Radio doesn't have any money to speak of, right? I mean, we do fundraisers all the time, but we don't have a steady stream of advertisers coming in or anything like that. We rely on you, and you support us. I didn't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying that we don't have a big pocket of cash sitting around somewhere because we go from drive to drive, right? And so we try to be very, very good with our money and make sure that we're we're not overspending. And so we looked for a cheaper news service, and we have this one. Now, here's a story from the secular news service, which happens to be a division of NBC. So when I'm using it, I have to be very careful and make sure that it's an accurate description. And this particular story is not. A federal judge has ruled Maryland parents cannot opt their children out of certain lessons in Montgomery County Public Schools. Three families filed suit against a board over its decision not to notify parents when books that include LGBTQ characters or themes would be read or discussed. Their request for a preliminary injunction while the suit moves forward, however, was rejected on the grounds that constitutional violations are neither likely nor imminent an appeal is planned. Now, they do have some basic facts in there. Okay, fine. But here's what's very significant. And I'm trained to pick these, these things out, okay? And because there's a way when you write a story 
where you can omit things to put across a particular message. And we have to be very cognizant of this, especially now as we're coming up on an election year, huge election year, right? Now, to say that three families filed suit, now, technically, that may be accurate in terms of the numbers of families that the Beckett Law Firm decided to use to be... But in the stories that have taken place the last couple of months, there were hundreds of parents from various backgrounds, as you heard in the Daily Signal report, they were atheists. There were Christians, Protestant and Catholic. There were Muslim brothers and sisters, Jewish brothers and sisters, people from all walks of life, all different faiths, some people just coming there without any faith issue is more of a, of a, parent, a parental issue, right? And yet this story makes you think that it's, oh, just a very small group of people, this is no big deal, and these people just need to, you know, take their, their bat and glove and go away because they're just a bunch of extremist crybabies because what they're doing is so wonderful. They're just including LGBTQ characters or themes we are talking about highly sexualized material being exposed to babies. And parents have no right. And then they try to say they're not indoctrinating our children. We need to be aware. We need to be able to discern. And we need to be literate when it comes to the media. They're certainly pushing their agenda on us. We need to push back with the truth over and over and over again. And that's our Fact Check Friday. We'll be right back. This is very exciting news, good news. We all knew it's good news, right? Great way to wrap up the show. We have good news with the family conference coming up tomorrow. It's going to be beautiful with EWTN, EWTN.com. And then coming up in November, many folks uh, tied in with EWTN, including our very own Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers and someone who's been on EWTN many times, radio and TV, both John Hale from Corporate Travel, a co-sponsor of the event, and my dear Catholic sister in the Lord, Immaculate Illabagiza are on the phone with me this morning. And Immaculate, let me go to you first. It's so good to hear your voice. How are you, my dear? Very good. Oh, I miss you. <laughs> I miss you, too. I miss you, too. Yeah. Really nice to hear your voice, too, and the great work you are doing always. Well, my dear, what will you be talking about in November at the Good News Conference? Well, I am waiting to, you know, we speak about my story. I will speak about forgiveness and um to share with people the lesson really I learned from that terrible experience because it brought me to God. I feel I love God more than even before when I thought I have everything. I had everything. So I just want to share with people just to be strong in hard times and, and, and really where to hold on, which is to hold on to God through prayer. You know, we always say we love God, but we, we can't really say we love Him if we are not spending time with Him. Yeah, so I will yeah. be speaking about the tools of our faith that have strengthened me and, and continue to strengthen me in, in difficult times. Now, are you, are you surprised at, at how your first book, Left to Tell, is still touching so many people? Many people come across you at events or online, and your story is so, so incredible. It's reaching people of all different backgrounds still, is it not? Oh, thank you. I am really, you're right. I get very surprised. To this day, I think every week I hear somebody who we meet who never knew about that or who share with me a story 
about how Left to Tell have, have changed their lives. I'm like, what? You know, recently I had a pilgrimage to Our Lady of Kideho in mm-hmm. Rwanda, and, and really like more than twice, people stopped me on the road and say, you are the lady, you are the Left to Tell. Aww. Aww. And I'm like, in Rwanda, <laughs> so young people now are reading the book there. We don't even have it translated in Rwanda. But it's, it really what touches people is the power of God. Mm-hmm. Because they know, they know what happened to them too. They have miracles, they have experienced through prayer. So I think people can know that I, I understand their feelings because I felt them too. Because everyone suffers in this world. Yeah, nobody gets out unscathed, right? But we have a beautiful teaching on redemptive suffering, which is so beautiful that you share in your in all of your books, especially your first book, Left to Tell. Immaculate Ilbegiza with us, one of the keynote speakers at the Good News Conference, goodnewsconference.com, coming up in November. Also on the phone with us all the way from Ireland this morning, where he's helping to lead a pilgrimage with Archbishop and Cardinal Dolan, is John Hale, of course, Corporate Travel, one of the main sponsors involved with Word on Fire and giving us this beautiful conference. Now, John, I know you're thrilled that Immaculate is with us this morning and that she's one of the presenters, but you also have a major announcement this morning. Good morning, or should I say good afternoon? I would say top of the morning, but it's no longer morning in Ireland, right? That's right, Teresa. We're heading into the afternoon, and thank you for having us on. And Immaculate, thank you so much for joining us. Your testimony is so compelling. And our theme this year for the Good News Conference, which we partner with Word on Fire and Bishop Barron, who will be a speaker, is witness. And mm. I can think of no greater witness than the witness of Immaculate, the witness of forgiveness, the witness of suffering, and always, uh, you know, in all these years since, never bitterness, but always joy. So, Immaculate, thank you for your yes, thank you for your joy, your gratitude and for coming to the Good News Conference to express that in your testimony of witness. We couldn't be more humbled and grateful. And yes, today, Teresa, we're so just, again, humbled and privileged and thankful that we have a terrific announcement that uh, we are going to welcome uh, Jordan Peterson as one of our speakers who joined Bishop uh, Barron, Immaculate, uh, as you said, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, Dr. Peter Kreft, uh, Father Pavanka, and Sister Bethany, Bethany Madonna, uh, Sisters of Life, uh, we just have an incredible... Oh, and of course, uh, Tim Tebow uh, for our sports fans, and, uh, and then wow. Jim Wahlberg. Incredible lineup uh, this year, Teresa, all praise yeah. to God. So, yeah, this is a big announcement. We're really excited, and um, uh, Bishop Barron and, and uh, Dr. Peterson have uh, done some work together, and I know have some um, mutual respect and admiration for, for each other's work, so we're eager to hear what he'll have to say and, and what he'll share with us at the Good News Conference this coming November. So for people who are not, who are not familiar, I think most people are, and Immaculate heard during the break that Dr. Peterson was speaking. I know she was thrilled. She said he's one of her heroes. But tell us a little bit about uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, John. You know, he really comes at uh, into the world from a, a more, originally from a more secular and, and maybe even, I'd say, agnostic perspective. But it seems like, and I'm not certainly speaking for him, that he has certainly grown in appreciation for faith and the contributions of faith to culture. And so his approach is very much an intellectual one. For those of you who've seen his videos that have gone viral for many years, um, you know, he's a, a psychologist, and he comes at this sort of from, like, uh, contemporary culture from a very logical perspective. And, uh, you know, everyone has a place in the vineyard, Teresa, and I think that Dr. Jordan uh, Peterson will provide a very interesting perspective for us, and and uh, we're very excited and, and thankful that he's going to be joining us. 
We're talking with John Hale from Corporate Travel and speaker, author, international witness, our friend Immaculate Ilabagiza. I'm sure you've seen her many times on EWTN. Immaculate, when John was talking about witness, the quote from Pope Paul VI came to mind. Modern man listens more willingly to witnesses than to teachers. And if he does listen to teachers, it is because they are witnesses. So being a witness to the joy of the Lord. And I remember talking to you, I think it was when we were on our pilgrimage to Israel several years ago. And you said to me, once you started getting out there and speaking and being very busy, that as crazy as it sounded, there were times when you longed to be back in that bathroom with your rosary because you were so in contact with God. Not that you're not now, but the fact that you just held on to God with every bit of strength. Can you talk about that for a minute? Oh, thank you. By the way, I'm really happy that Dr. You know, Jordan Peterson will be there because I so respect his way of expressing the truth in his heart. Even if he's still seeking, I, I wish we can all be truthful to God, to the, our beliefs, and be honest like he is to what he believes in. And figuring things out, I love him, so I'm so happy. And of course, Bishop Barron, I can't wait to be there. I look forward to that. These are great men and who, who just really express truth. So I'm happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The question you ask me, you, you're right. I have thought about, after the genocide especially, that I wished, it, it's funny, again, like you said, I didn't wish to be in the bathroom. But the love I felt with God, the connection I had with Him, the intensity of, of really connecting to Him, I missed it. And then there was the world, you have to cook, you have to clean. Right. But in the bathroom, I was praying all the time. Now I have reached to another level when I really realized that you're right, you can actually keep in, in touch with God. I wake up in the middle of the night, I sleep with my rosary, and I just start praying or just talk to Him, be grateful to Him. So I can connect to him even when I'm cooking, when I'm cleaning. But after the bathroom, I was thrown off this balance that, oh my, how am I going to have that? I used to, to go to a retreat place in, in, in Rwanda after the genocide, and I would close myself for three days just because I wanted to feel that again, mm. that connection with God. So really the love of God, I still remember when I was really feeling this fire, I mean, still I do in, in different ways, and again, knowing how different ways now to connect with Him. But I still remember thinking, God, you know, sometimes you're not sure everything is, is weird. In, I mean, now I know for sure. Right. But the way to pray to you, whatever this is, the joy that is in my heart, when yet in the middle of fire, I, I just wish everybody to do, as you say, you know, reading the Bible, your words trying to practice what you say, to love, to forgive, pray, pray, and fixing me, like, it just gives you this joy I, I can't put in words. Right. And you know it in your heart, yeah. And I, I saw myself going from the worst situation in, in my heart when I was angry, when I, I thought about revenge. And the situation was bad when I said in the beginning of hiding. Then towards the end, the situation was worse, but in my heart, I was flying. I was feeling like lifted from the ground because of just that connection with God. So the challenge really was after, how do I remain with God when I have to go on with life? Right, right. And, and it is something I had to learn. Like, like I said now, like little prayers, I trust you, I love you. I'm always hugging statues in my, my home mm-hmm. because I just mm-hmm. feel like, okay, anything. 
to take, taking a little flower, just leaving for a lady, lighting a little candle. But, you know, that's how you, you remain connected to, to God. Amen. Amen. And John, I know one of the reasons you're doing this Good News Cruise, or, and the Good News Cruise, of course, in January, but the Good News Conference, is to really, to give examples of what Immaculate Illibigiza, our guest this morning, along with you, John, is really talking about us to lighting a candle as opposed to just cursing the darkness. I mean, we, we have to expose issues to people just like we do here and just like I did in, in my last segment about the media so we can be aware, but do not focus on the negative. I mean, we started out the, the show today talking about the beautiful family celebration with EW10 coming up tomorrow, and now we're closing it with the Good News Conference coming up in November. I think there are different ways to engage in uh, that the devil uses us to engage. I mean, certainly we can do wrong, we can do evil. But another way is just to be overly preoccupied with the evil in the world or the evil of the other. And when we're, when we're overly involved in that, what are we not doing? We're not doing God's will for us. We're not engaging in positive, uh, pouring, you know, receiving him and then pouring ourselves him really back out into the community and whether that community is our family our work our friends our church we we are called to be positive and we are called to trust in, in god and you know when we have personal crisis when we have world crisis when we have church crisis no matter what uh, all you have to know is history and it's, it's not an easy history and, and today is not easy either we all know that but i think when we hear the testimonies like immaculately like each of the speakers like your testimony last year Teresa. We, we are encouraged to be positive, to do what we can, and not be overly preoccupied with what is wrong, because that when we use that to zap our energy and take our time, it's at, at best, it's a nothing, and at worst, it's you know probably uh, bringing us down and preventing us from doing that which is good, that which, right. you know, using those charism gifts that God's given us to give back to Him. Uh, Immaculate, think about what would have happened and, and how many people would have missed not only hearing your story, but how many people have been changed by your story of forgiveness. Had you gotten stuck, and in some ways you could say, wow, yeah, you know, you can't blame you considering what happened to you to, to you know, be angry. But if you got stuck mm-hmm. in that anger and unforgiveness, so many people wouldn't know your story and so many people wouldn't have been healed by hearing that story. You are right, yeah. You know, I, really when you realize who we are, our lives are not ours. Our lives are to shine the light and to to love, and in turn, of course, we receive love, but to, to be used so that we can one day go to heaven and, and after accomplishing what God has given us to, to be. And that is only possible when we really do His will. So you're right. When I think about if I was stuck in that anger, first of all, I would have been killed right mm-hmm. after, not too long after. Because my plan was to go out and revenge. And the more anger I had, I thought about things that were not even possible. You feel like you can kill a whole country. Because in your mind, the enemy is making you feel like it's possible. I felt I would, I would fly planes and throw grenades and kill everybody who is killing us. I mean, a million people were hacked by machetes. So it was just horrible. And the more angry I was, the more I was thinking about things I can do to, to, to retaliate. But I would have tried. If I have not come back to God... To literally realize how blind I was becoming, I would have ended up trying to hurt somebody. And of, of course, they have strength too. Somebody will, will catch me and hurt me. So I would have been dead, and God knows I would have lost my, my salvation. And uh, and here we are again, like God created us for a certain purpose. And my story would not have touched people. Yeah. Recently, I met a lady who told me she had planned to kill herself. 
And she mm-hmm. said she was she had been given left to tell, but she put it in a corner because she didn't want to read a, a sad book. <laughs> and then she told me, since I was dying, I have the poison, I have the letters I have written. I said, well, now I can read the bad book as my last gift. So he said he started to read left to tell. He ended up reading it until morning. Mm. And by the morning, by the morning, he told him. She told herself. She said, "Whatever God this woman prayed to, I am going to pray to this God." Amen, sister. Yeah. We're out of time. Thank you so much, Immaculate Ilabagiza, speaking at the Good News Conference coming up in November. Goodnewsconference.com. Also, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, Bishop Aaron, a very own Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, off the charts lineup. John Hale, thank you so much. And again, the website, goodnewsconference.com, coming up in Orlando, Florida in November, goodnewsconference.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN Global Catholic Radio and Catholic Connection, a co-production of EWTN and Ave Maria Radio. Check us both out online, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Have a blessed weekend. Go out there and be a witness. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.